This is Herb Montgomery, and I want to take this opportunity to thank all of you who are supporting the work of Renewed Heart Ministries. It's people like yourself that enable us to exist and to be a positive resource in our world in the work of survival, resistance, liberation, restoration, and transformation. If you're unfamiliar with Renewed Heart Ministries, we are a not-for-profit group that is passionate about centering a set of values and ethics in the experiences of those on the undersides and margins of our society informed also by the sayings and the teachings of the historical Jewish Jesus of Nazareth. If you'd like to support our work, I'll tell you how you can do so at the end of this podcast. But for now, we simply want to thank you for listening. This is Herb Montgomery from Renewed Heart Ministries, and I want to welcome you to episode 198 of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. Happy New Year to all of you who are uh, listening this week. Uh, Welcome to 2017. Our hope is that this year will be much better than the last. And and our feature text this week, actually our title this week, uh, before we get too far into it, is Woes Against the Pharisees. And man, what, what a zinger to start off this new year with. Our feature text is Sayings Gospel Q 11, 39, 42, 39, 41, and 43 through 44. Woe for you Pharisees, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin and give up justice and mercy and faithfulness. But these one had to do without giving up those. Woe to you Pharisees, for you purify the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside they're full of plunder and dissipation. Purify the inside of the cup, it's outside purity. Woe to you, Pharisees, for you love the places of honor at banquets and the front seat in the synagogues and the accolades in the markets. Woe to you, Pharisees, for you are like indistinct tombs and people walking on top are unaware. Our companion texts are Matthew 23, 23, 25 through 27, and verses 6 through 7. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You give a tenth of your spices, mint, dill, and cumin, but you've neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You should have practiced the latter without neglecting the former. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside also will be clean. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but in the inside are full of bones, the bones of the dead, and everything unclean. The Pharisees love the places of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to have people call them rabbi. Luke 11, 42, verse 39, 41, and 43 through 44. Woe to you Pharisees, because you give God a tenth of your mint, rue, and all other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. Then the Lord said to him, Now then, you Pharisees, you clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. But now as for what is inside of you, be generous to the poor, and everything will be clean for you. Woe to you Pharisees, because you love the most important seats in the synagogues and the respectful greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, because you are like unmarked graves, which people walk
walk over without knowing it. And Gospel of Thomas 89, 1-2, Jesus says, Why do you wash the outside of the cup, but you do not understand that the one who created the inside is also the one who created the outside? Again, this is quite a, 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 a saying to begin our new year off with. And, and, and this saying in Sayings Gospel Q is Jesus's rant against, and I want to make sure this is clear, some of the Pharisees. I do not believe that this rant is against all of the Pharisees. Many of those who comprise the, the teaching Pharisees were wise, honest, good people, including the Apostle Paul who joined the followers of Jesus later, and perhaps also Jesus himself. The Pharisees were made up of of Two groups, remember, those of the school of Hillel and those of the school of Shammai. And I believe it was the school of Shammai, which Judaism ultimately rejected too, uh, that, that Jesus is railing against in this saying. Jesus taught much of what the school of Hillel taught, except for Hillel's economic protections of the rich and his his socially unjust teachings on divorce for women. Jesus was raised, remember, as a, a poor working class Jew, and he may also have been raised by parents who resonated deeply um, with the school of Hillel, interpreting the Torah through the lens of, of the golden rule. And this would explain uh, much for, for, for Jesus and, and uh, his teachings. But also, there's nothing anti-Jewish in this week's saying. Let's let's make sure that's clear. Jesus is standing in a very long tradition of the Hebrew prophets themselves in calling religious and political leaders to justice and to mercy and to faithfulness. And consider the following from Isaiah. This is Isaiah 1, 13 through 14. Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. Your new moons, Sabbaths, and convocations, I cannot bear your evil assemblies. Your new moon feast and your appointed festivals I hate with all my being. They have become a burden to me. I'm weary of burden of bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Even if you offer many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Liberate the oppressed. Defend the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Again, that's Isaiah 1, 13 through 14. And, and there's also these words from the book of Amos. This is uh, Amos 8, 4 through 6. Hear this, you who trample the needy and do away with the poor of the land, saying, when will the new moon be over that we may sell grain and the Sabbath be ended that we may market wheat, skimping on the measure, boosting the price and cheating with dishonest scales, buying the poor with silver and the needy with a pair of sandals selling even the sweepings with the wheat. And in the same book, the book of Amos, uh, the prophet speaks for God when he says, I hate, I despise your religious festivals. I cannot stand your assemblies. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps, but let justice roll on like a river and righteousness like a never-failing stream. That's Amos 5, 21 through 24. Jesus, like the Jewish prophets before him in Judaism, is prioritizing and centering justice for the oppressed, mercy for the less fortunate and the disinherited, and faithfulness to the marginalized and the downtrodden. 
He's prioritizing those over and above religious ritual or, or worship and, and the festivals. And rituals can be done, I believe, in, a, in such a way that shapes us into people who actively work towards justice and compassion for the oppressed of our world. But if it doesn't shape us into active agents of liberation for the oppressed, and you can uh, look at Luke 4, 18 through 19 for that, uh, ritual has very little meaning. And I resonate deeply with the, the priorities found in Isaiah, found in Amos, and, and in this week's saying from Jesus. In the Gospels, especially these Gospels, Jesus contrasts conscientious tithing of the most minute items in the market with neglected justice, neglected mercy, and neglected faithfulness toward the poor. He, he contrasts the external ritual of the purity rituals, the washing of the hands and, and all the others, with being, uh, he contrasts that with being generous towards the poor. And then he calls to account those who who love making a show, receiving accolades, and and being inwardly, at the same time, uh, dead bones. And remember, as we've seen over and over again this this last year, uh, the the reign of Jesus, uh, or the reign of Jesus as God, rather, looked like people taking responsibility uh, for taking care of other people. That's as simple as it gets. It's people taking care of people. That's the empire of God in contrast to the empire of Rome. That, that's the reign of God, the kingdom of God. And the Jewish Jesus followers in the early church, they preserved a similar statement rooted in Jesus's teachings in James chapter 1, 27. A religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after the orphan, orphans and widows in their distress. And as someone who, I'm talking about myself, who doesn't have much taste for most things religious, uh, but I, I resonate deeply with the values of Jesus, I love this statement in James. I, I shared this quotation from Marcus Borg two weeks ago, uh, but I think it bears repeating here as we begin our new year. This is from Meeting Jesus Again for the First Time, page 58. For Jesus, compassion had a radical sociopolitical meaning. In his teaching and table fellowship and in the shape of his movement, the purity system was subverted and an alternate alternative social vision affirmed. The politics of purity was replaced by a politics of compassion. And Jesus, much like the Pharisee Hillel, which was a generation before him, he, he taught a politics of compassion. He taught uh, it, it, it very specifically in terms of compassion and justice for the poor, the oppressed, and the marginalized. So, so what if we did what Jesus actually taught? What would Christianity look like today if we begin to filter every religious thing we do, even even our rituals and liturgies through the filter of justice and compassion. Consider the following from the from the book of James. This is James 2, verse 5. Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world? And James 2, 16 through 17. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm, and be well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. And James 2, 18. But someone will say, you you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by what I do. Now, I love the book of James because it's the only New Testament commentary we have on Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And rather than following Paul's more cosmic Christ, the author of James expounds on Jesus' actual teachings and, 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 and helps other Jewish Jesus followers to, to practice them. An experiment that I have been engaged
engaging in over the last two years is a practice of making central in my teaching the Golden Rule, the Sermon on the Mount, and how we relate to one another. And I've placed matters of dogma, uh, worship, and less practical theology on the periphery. And I firmly believe that you and I Again, I've said this over and over again, we are made, each one of us, in the image of the divine. And that means that in this life, the closest I will ever come to the divine is you. And this is what I believe the author of 1 John is trying to get at in in 1 John 4.20 when he writes, if we say we love God and yet hate a brother or sister, we're liars. For if if we do not love a fellow believer whom we have seen, we cannot love God whom we have not seen. This means that that my actions towards others is my faith. And it doesn't just reflect my faith. My actions are what I believe. And God talk can become very theoretical and pointless, uh, pointlessly argumentative uh, as well. And it's only when we acknowledge that each of us has a piece of the puzzle, when we need, when we realize we need to respect uh, each person's peace, that God talk can bear any good fruit. And I want my faith to bear fruit and my focus to be right here on planet Earth with you. What would happen if we began to prioritize our religious practices according to how those practices express compassion and justice in the lives of others? And as this year begins, Let's contemplate prioritizing matters of justice, matters of compassion, and faithfulness to our fellow human beings above everything else. And so we'll close this week. Sings Gospel Q, 1139, 42, 39, 41, and 43 through 44. Woe for you, Pharisees, for you tithe mint and dill and cumin, and you give up justice and mercy and faithfulness. But these one had to do without giving up those. Woe to you, Pharisees, for you purify the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you're full of plunder and dissipation. Purify the inside of the cup. It's outside pure. Woe to you, Pharisees, for you love the place of honor at banquets and in front and the front seats in the synagogue and accolades in the markets. Woe to you, Pharisees, for you are like indistinct tombs and people walk on top unaware. Heart group application this week, as we begin a new year, I want you to sit down with your heart group and talk about whether your group needs to start uh, centralizing justice and compassion, or or whether you can simply just reaffirm that you're already practicing them, and discuss what it would look like to to make justice and compassion more central for your group, and what it looks like to grow your focus on compassion and justice. And then number three, I want you to map out uh, a few things you can do this week to kick off two. 2017 uh, actions that you can take as a group that emphasize and affirm your focus as a Jesus follower on justice, compassion, and making our world a safer home for us all. Again, Happy New Year to each of you. I am glad that you're here journeying alongside of us. Let's make 2017 the year for living in love, resistance, survival, liberation, restoration, and transformation. I love each one of you deeply. Uh, Remember, we're in this together. I'll see you next week.
Thank you once again for listening. Everything we do here at Renewed Heart Ministries is done with the purpose of making these resources as free as possible. And to do so, we need the help of people like yourself. If you'd like to support the work of Renewed Heart Ministries, you can make a one-time gift or become one of our monthly contributors by going to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and clicking on the Donate tab at the top right of the homepage. Or you can mail your contribution to Renewed Heart Ministries, P.O. Box 1211, Lewisburg, West Virginia, 24901. Make sure you also sign up for our free resources on our website, and we have a monthly newsletter that we mail out, and there's just much, much more. Remember, everything we do here at Renewed Heart Ministries is for free, and every little bit helps. And anything we receive over and above our annual budget, we happily pass on to other not-for-profits that are, are, we feel are making both systemic and, and personal differences in the lives of those less privileged within our status quo. And for those already supporting our work, again, thank you. Together we are making a difference, making our world a safer, more just, more compassionate home for us all.